Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Matthew chapter 16 tonight, I've asked Pastor Leah to uh, begin there in verse 13 and read down uh, oh, all the way to verse uh, 20, uh, will be good. Uh, and in her which, which uh, translation? In the Passion, Passion translation. translation. I want her to read that, and then we're going to come back and look at that tonight. Okay, verse 13. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe that I am? They answered, Some are convinced you are John the baptizer. Others say you are Elijah, reincarnated, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. Simon Peter spoke up and said, You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you did not discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of, the king, of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. He then gave his disciples strict orders not to tell anyone that he was God's anointed one. You know, the reason he did that was, is because the nation of Israel was expecting a political takeover. Uh, there was insurrection that had taken place before Jesus' time. Actually, the insurrection that took, a pl took place after Jesus' time caused Jerusalem to be uh, destroyed in 70 A.D., uh, just like uh, Jesus prophesied that it would. And so uh, we know that it is the will of God to, uh, how can I say this, to govern and administrate His family here on the earth through an entity called the church. Uh, uh, there's, the church has many different uh, uh, aspects to it, uh, the governmental, governmental side of it, the spiritual side of it, uh, the practical side. There's so many different uh, aspects and facets to it. But the church is something very precious to God that has been purchased, if you want to read about it, Acts chapter 20, verses oh, 25 through 28, where Paul is meeting with his uh, uh, disciples there uh, at Miletus. And he talks about the church being purchased with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if the blood of Jesus is the purchase price of the church, then the church must be very, very important to God. Uh, we know uh, Jesus himself uh, was the one that coined the phrase or used the phrase uh, uh, upon the rock or the revelation of who we are in him. He was going to build the church and the gates and the authorities and the powers and all these different things of hell itself. Jesus himself said uh, would not be able to prevail against it. Now, we're living in a day and an hour and a time in which the church is going to be used in such a way in that uh, it's going to be unique to our generation, unique to the end of this dispensation, and unique to uh, ushering in uh, the next prophetic things that are going to begin to happen. I believe the next 
prophetic event to take place is going to be the rapture of the church. Now, there are some other, what I would call some minor things. Some of the people that teach the eschatology teachers talk about uh, different covenants or different uh, uh, treaties that will be signed. And once they're signed, then that kind of opens the door and makes the way for that. But you know, the way things go on here on the earth today, that can happen at any time. And I believe the, the next major event on the prophetic clock in which God has uh, assigned to the earth is the rapture of the church. Now, much that is coming upon the earth in this day and hour, there's so much out there. You've got to be so careful. Now, remember what Jesus said, not only what you listen to, but how you listen to it. And so there's so much being said, if you're not careful and you just get to going through the internet and listen to everything that's out there, lots of prophecies and a lot of people trying to uh, define, determine, explain. But listen, we stay the safest when we stick with the Word of God and that which God says. And I'm telling you, we are the entity on the earth. The church is the entity. You can go read about it in 2 uh, Thessalonians. We may refer to it tonight. But listen, we are the church as an entity we are what holds back this demonic world system that's trying to come upon the earth. Actually, I believe much of it is already on the earth and functioning, but it cannot come into full functioning ability revealing the Antichrist or the man of sin until the church is taken out, until we're gone. You know, I remember something that I was taught when I was in Bible school. I thought it was very unique. Because much was being said about judgment in the church back then. Anytime you see a real uh, move on spiritual warfare, you get a lot of this judgment teaching. How, you know, God is going to judge the church and pastors are going to end up in prison. I remember uh, one particular minister back in the late 80s was prophesying that all the pastors were going to go to prison. And, you know, then in prison, everybody would get anointed and this great revival would take place. And that would be the judgment, you know, because judgment begins in the house of God. We well, got to have to go read that in the context of what it says. But we must understand that the true judgment of God is not going to touch the church. Because the church is the body of Christ. And the judgment of God was poured out upon the body of Christ on Calvary. And God is not going to judge His body a second time. And because of that, we must understand that we, are, we as a church are very, very important to the plan of God. Listen, that's why the enemy attacks churches so strong. I believe in the last three years what we've seen and experienced ourselves, other ministers and pastors that we're familiar with, not just in the United States, but around the world. We have seen a tremendous onslaught uh, against the church. Uh, and it does, listen, it doesn't come from the outside and it comes from the inside out. The enemy gets into churches and, and people get these mindsets and these ideas and they get frustrated, they get upset, they get mad, they get offended and they, they, either, <clears throat> they either drift from place to place or they just leave and they don't come to church at all. But let me just say this to you tonight. If you're an individual out there and you name the name of the Lord Jesus, and you claim to be a born-again Christian, let me admonish you. You need to be part of a church. Listen, Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. That is, it is His will that you be in the church. It's His will that you be under the, under the uh, uh, protection of the ecclesia, which is literally, in the, I wrote it down in the Greek, it's the, it's the legislative assembly and the governmental authority. Listen, we've been a church for, we're, we're in our 19th year, we've been a church for 18 years, we're going into our 19th year, and you can see the proof 
of the authority of this church. And one area I just was thinking of a few minutes ago was in protection. We pray a prayer at the end of every service, the protection of God over the people. And as a church for 18, 19 years, now that doesn't mean there's never been an accident or nobody's ever had a car accident, or, but we've never really had any major accident that has taken out people in this church or, or caused them to die or caused them to have any major problem in any way because of that authority that we have. You must be under that authority for protection in this day and hour. Listen, the church is the place of protection against deception in the earth. It says that in 1 Timothy. So listen, if you don't value church, you need to ask God to put a value in you for church because God has destined you to be a part of an assembly, a part of a church for your own protection and your own blessing. The blessing of your life could be connected to the church that you go to. I I, I heard a a very famous pastor, one that Lee and I knew well, uh, say one time that the church you go to can determine whether you live or die on the earth today. You go to a church that doesn't believe in divine healing or health, doesn't believe in the signs and wonders and miracles of God, doesn't believe that, you know, God was not a God, uh, uh, there was a day of miracles, that there is a God of miracles. Listen, there's people that have been healed in this church, healed of cancer, healed of diseases that would, kill, that would have killed them. There are people alive in this church today, and Lee and I both being one of them, that if it was not for the healing power of God, we would probably already be in the grave. God touched our bodies with His healing power. Listen, and financially, you need to be in the ark of the church in order to, in order to rise above the storm of this financial uh, situation that's going on in the world because this whole thing is being bent and geared and moving toward this antichrist system. And, you know, they talked about it back when the days of the books of the Bible were being written, uh, the, the letters to the church. They said this unrighteousness, this antichrist spirit is already active in the earth today. Listen, it was active and in the earth as soon as people got filled with the Holy Ghost and people started to get saved. Listen, that antichrist spirit began to rise up. What do you think the Apostle Paul was when he was Saul of Tarsus? He was anti-church. He was anti-Christ. He was anti what God was doing in and through the church. You need to be a part and you need to value the church. You say, well, pastor, I've always had trouble with, with pastors and, and, you know, with money. and with the... Listen, you've got to get your eyes off the personalities of the church and you've got to get your eyes on the meaning of the church, what it means to you, what it means to you as an individual. And you're a part of a puzzle and you only fit in in the puzzle of the church. You don't fit in in any other part. You will say, I just go to a, to a home prayer meeting. We're really not a church. Hey, you listen, you don't fit into that. Well, we, we meet by an oak tree every third Sunday of the months that only have ours. In them. You, don't, you don't fit into that. You need to be a part of a real church where, where, where when lost people come, they get saved, that have a pastor, that have a staff that loves you and cares for you, that has missions work and missionaries connected to the church, that where other ministries grow up out of the church, where if you're sick, you can receive healing and teaching on healing, where if you're broken, poor, you can receive healing on prosperity, get opportunities to give, where your life can be enhanced by that which God wants to do through His protection and blessing of you as part of a family. We are the family of God. God is our very own Heavenly Father, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I remember when I began to travel, and after about, oh, I don't know, maybe eight years of really just working at ministry. 
You know, believe in God for every door and any little door that opened. I mean, from great camp meetings we got to preach in to, to sometimes the door would open down at the Methodist uh, old folks home. I'd go down there and preach on Thursday mornings. I mean, any door that was open. But once the ministry really hit a gear and, and scheduling wasn't a struggle and we had many open invitations in the churches that we were going to. We had about 15 to 18 churches that we did revival meetings in. Sunday through Wednesday, two service a day uh, revivals. And the Lord spoke to me very plainly about our field ministry. And I thought it was very unique what the Lord showed me. He said, now your relationship to a church, when you go to a church and preach for a pastor, he said your relationship with that church is not like that pastor's relationship with that church. He says that pastor's relationship with that church is literally like a husband-wife relationship. The Lord spoke to me. He said, you can never encroach on that. You can never violate that. If you ever do, you will hurt. You will harm that church, and that church will never have you back. He says, but your relationship with the church is just like your relationship in the church you go to. It is not a husband-wife relationship. It is a brother-sister relationship. And I want you to know in this church, you've got a brother-sister relationship with every person that comes to this church. This is the family of God. And I've got good news. As dysfunctional as all of us are in our human family, when we get into the family of God, there is the Word of God and the Spirit of God that begins to remove that dysfunction and bring us into a unity so we can be the men and women that God has called us to be. And we can be effective in the kingdom of God, in the harvest of God in these last days. Now as we go back to the Scripture, this is an amazing interaction with Jesus and His disciples. The question that he asked him, I still maintain this one question is the very issue of life. I've preached this for years all over the world that, you know, this is the question that must be answered and must be answered correctly. Life is a series of choices. Choices are generated by questions. You know, uh, what am I going to do when I get out of high school? Where am I going to go to college? Uh, what profession am I going to choose? What has God got for me? If you're seeking the plan, the will of God, which everyone should be doing. Now, who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? All of these questions. Listen, you can, you can mess up on all those questions. Right. You can get all those questions wrong. Listen, you can, you can have the wrong education. You can marry the wrong man, marry the wrong woman, have the wrong kids, drive the wrong car, live in the wrong house, live in the wrong city and state. But if you get this question right, it's all going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But you can get all the questions of life right. You can get the right education, marry the right man, marry the right woman, uh, go, uh, go to the right uh, city, live in the right city, have the right business, have the right job drive the right car, live in the right house. You can get all of them right. And if you get this question wrong, it's all for naught. It's for naught. Your life was for nothing. Whom do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? It's not who does Pastor Rusty say. Not who does the famous televangelist say. Not as who does your favorite prophet or preach. No, no. Who do you say? It's a personal thing. Have you ever noticed that with, with, with God? You can talk about God and you hear people many times mentioning God in this drama that is going on. And God is universal. Universal in personality, universal in, in, in impartation when it comes to interaction with the world. But listen, when you start talking about Jesus, it gets real personal. I've noticed that much of the opposition to prayer in the nations of the world and in uh, the United States itself is in praying in the name of Jesus. They just, I mean, you know, several years back, you just never heard anybody 
uh, openly and in public, you know, at a ball game or praying over a, uh, some kind of uh, political event. They never prayed in the name of Jesus. I mean, it was so taboo. It was so uh, politically incorrect to do it. But now you're starting to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to somebody the other day, and I was just waiting to hear, waiting to hear. And sure enough, they ended that prayer in the name of Jesus. I said, thank God that's coming back, coming back into our nation. I don't care whether it's politically correct or not. If they invited me to pray at the White House mm-hmm. uh, in front of the president and said, Pastor Rusty, you can do it, but you cannot do it in the name of Jesus, I'd say, then I can't do it. Because I can only pray in the name of Jesus. Who do you say? Who do you say that Jesus is? Get that question right. He is the Son of God. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. And you will be saved. And that's just the beginning. That's when you get new life. That opens the door to a whole brand new life that God has given us. Thank God one of our favorite scriptures around here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any man or any woman be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Brand new life. Buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we also walk in newness of... You can have a brand new life. Not just a changed life. It's amazing how many people are strong in their willpower. And have used their willpower. I've seen people quit drinking alcohol, different negative lifestyles. That willpower is so strong. I never had that much willpower. I needed God. I needed deliverance from God to get me out of what I got myself into. But that willpower, even if you're strong in willpower, can leave you wanting many times. But once you become a new creature, there's not willpower. There's a new power. There's the power of God, the power of the Word, and the power of the Spirit to grant unto you the brand new life that God says belongs to you. So many friends and acquaintances over the years that I've been in ministry, many of them, men that I knew, uh, some women that I knew also, uh, that went to the penitentiaries of our nation, that were incarcerated uh, for a crime, uh, for criminal activity, and in the prison got born again, found Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then got out of prison and became a very uh, powerful men and women in a local church. Many of them went into ministry. And I would always uh, be fascinated when they would say things like, you know, I was in a prison and I got saved in prison. But in prison, after I got saved, I felt like I was freer than I ever was uh, when I was outside the prison. It's amazing how, how Jesus can just set you free of anything the devil has ever had you in bondage to. But once you're born again, once you answer that question, Jesus does not, God does not want to exclude you out of anything. He wants to include you in everything. And if there was ever a day to be a part of a church that believes in the new birth, that believes in signs and wonders and miracles, that believes in divine prosperity and blessing, that believes in the things that we believe, but we believe in it according to the Scriptures. Jesus said it in John chapter 7. As the Scriptures had said, I guarantee you today is the day and the hour. Even though the enemy, I believe the enemy has been on attack into the charismatic movement where it kind of slowly came to an end right there, 1999, uh, 2000, 2001, 2003. It came to an end and now these, these kind of these empty years that have gone by for the past, oh, 12, 14, 15, 16 years. But then about three years ago, two or three years ago, things begin to wake up. The enemy began to see that. That's why he began to bring opposition. He knew the church is waking up. The church is going to rise up. And if it rises up and recognizes the day and the hour in which it lives, if the true fire of the Holy Ghost 
falls on the latter house like the Bible says it will. If those people get on fire for God, I tell you, I can sense it in the Holy Ghost right now. If they do it, then my days are numbered. That seven-year clock is going to tick off. And I guarantee you, he is fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. But the good news is, we've already got the victory. We've already got the victory. Whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father that which is in heaven. Now, here Jesus poses this question. And immediately Peter answers, I don't know, I'm going to have to talk to him when, he, when I get to heaven and ask him, did that just come out of you? Was it something that you contemplated? Was something that was... Going, rolling around. How did, that, how did that get communicated? Because we know the source. Jesus said it like this. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you. Notice, he didn't see the same thing. He didn't understand the same thing that all these people that were saying, well, he's Elijah, he's Jeremiah, he's one of the prophets. But when Jesus went to turn to Peter and said, who do you say that I am? He said, now notice, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. Now, he wasn't walking in that dimension right then. He was living as Son of Man on the earth. That's why he told them, don't tell anybody this. Don't say this to anybody. The reason is, is this whole nation is looking for a Messiah who is a political figure that is going to step in and deliver them from the bondage of Rome. But Jesus could have said this. He could have said, but I've come to do something so much bigger than that. I've come to break the curse that is on the family of man. I've come to redeem man and bring him back to the place where he can approach a holy God by my blood and by my finished work. Oh, I'm telling you, it's so much bigger than liberating one nation. It was so much bigger. Mm -hmm. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you. Now, this is an amazing thing. For years I've taught out of this portion or passions of Scripture. And what amazes me about this is even though these men are unregenerate, which means uh, they're not born again at the time. We know later John chapter uh, 20 where Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, that Spirit of God. They, right then and there, they became new creatures. They were born again. But up until that time, The spirit man on the inside of them was still separated from God. They were spiritually dead men. But this revelation, the word revelation means uncovered from the source. It didn't come from the teaching of Jesus. If it would have, Jesus would have said, my teaching got that into you, Peter. You heard my teaching. You did more than listen. You heard my teaching. No, he didn't say that. He said, my Father, which is in heaven, hath revealed it unto thee. Now listen, this is so important, we miss it. If it came with a feeling, I think we would value it more. Which means if we receive it by faith, we ought to value it even more than that. This means that tonight, if you can sit there, oh, there's three or four sitting in the auditorium, two or three back in the sound booth. If you can sit there and say, well, pastor, I don't believe that, I know that. I know Jesus is the son of the living God. I know that. I know that. You know that because flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. Now listen, this is is the miracle of it. You don't have to be saved to know that. If Peter had to be saved to know that, 
he would have had to have waited until Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and presented his blood in the Holy of Holies. But he did not do that, which shows us God desires to give revelation to unregenerate men and women, people that are not born again. You say, what does he want to tell them? He wants to say to them, Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the spotless Lamb of God, the one that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Now listen, if you know that, now many of you, I know that you'll come to Island Church, many of you that are Christians that are watching others, uh, those that are in other nations, you're, you're born again, many of you have been in ministry for years. You just take this for granted. But if you'll go back and recognize and realize, this is what happened to you. Somehow, someway, the gospel got to you. What is the gospel? That's what we've been saying. It's God's invitation. Every time it's preached, it goes out over the airwaves. It goes out through personal witnessing. It goes out through grand crusades. It goes out in, in church services. It goes out. It goes out. Every time the gospel is preached, an invitation is given in the spirit realm. Deposits are made. And if people are not born again, then many times what will happen is sitting there, something from God will drop into their spirit. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know the next thing that happens? Because once you realize He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you're not saved, you realize, I'm a sinner. That's what makes you realize, I'm a sinner. Then if you continue down, if we were in the book of Romans, the Roman road, you end up believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, that God raised Jesus from the dead. And when you do that, you get born again. You leave the human family and you come into God's family. And now God wants to pull you into His ecclesia or His church. Now notice what, what Jesus says here. He says, I say unto thee that thou art Peter. That's the, uh, the word Petrus. It's a small pebble or little rock. But He says it like this. But I say unto you, little rock, upon the revelation that you got from the Father... I'm going to build my church on the giant rock of Gibraltar. I believe it even says that in the Amplified. Amplified says, I tell you, you are Peter, Greek, Petros, a large piece of a rock. But upon this rock, Petros, a huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. So here's the, here's the progression, the question. Whom do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Not who does Pastor Rusty say. Who do you say that I am? The answer, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Great. Now you're born again. You acted on that revelation. You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. Now I've got something for you. I've got your family. It's called the church. And I need you to be a piece of the church. A piece of the rock that can be as big as the rock of Gibraltar. When I look at my entire body around the world, it is this huge rock, but it cannot be this huge rock without the pieces. That's why the Bible says there in the letters to the church that we are what? Living stones that God is putting this family together with. That's who we are. We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're Jesus in the earth. I... I, I Heard a pastor say this one time, and you could kind of hear the rustle go through the crowd. He said, no, you, you're only as good to Jesus as you are to your local church. And when he said, it was, it was Joe Solis in Hawaii. He was up preaching. He said, you're only as good to Jesus 
You're only, you're only as kind to Jesus. You're only as good to Jesus, as benevolent as you are to your local church because we are the body of Christ together. So how can you be any better to Jesus than you are to your local church? And they used to have a phrase. What would they, at the end of their service, they would say, if, if, if everybody, let me see if I can get it right. If everybody thought about my church like I think about my church, what would my church be? And they would dismiss their service with that. Let me ask you that question. If everybody thought about our church like you think about our church, what would our church be? The church is Christ. Listen, when that bright light shined from heaven and the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus at the time, using his Hebrew name, Paul was his Roman name, when he's using his Hebrew name, Saul of Tarsus, that light came out of heaven and struck him down off that donkey. And he laid there and that voice spoke from heaven. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It always amazed me that he did not say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? No, he didn't say that. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus saw no difference in the persecution that was taking place on the church at that time through Saul of Tarshish, as he did as if it were him personally being persecuted. It was. He was personally being persecuted. Listen, God loves you. God wants to include you in a body. God wants you to be part of what he's doing in the earth today. For years we have preached, prophesied, and said, that which God wraps up and culminates this last dispensation that we're living in. Excuse me, not this last dispensation, this dispensation. Before we go into this next dispensation, He's going to do it in and through the church. It has the structure. It has the government. It has the protection. It has what it needs. Listen, there's such a stirring in China right now. I heard some things about China, about how there's just revival that's broke out. Men and women are getting saved in mass. You know, where they've tried to shut them down. Seems like the more they even physically try to persecute them, the more they rise up in revival and blessing. And it says one of the most frequently prayed prayers in the nation of China by the underground church is the prayer for revival in America. And listen, God wants us in full-blown revival and harvest to glorify His Son Jesus and to bring this thing to its con correct conclusion as He comes in that eastern sky. And the Bible says, the shout of an archangel and that trumpet shall sound and we shall rise with Him in the air. It wouldn't that be a glorious day? I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. It's time to serve God on a new level. Let me pray with you tonight. If you're watching us, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have that revelation. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But you've never acted on it. You've never asked Him into your life. You can know it in your head, but if you never believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth. It won't do you any good whatsoever. You say, well, I just believe God accepts anybody any old way. He doesn't. You have to come through His Son, Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The only one. You say, I think the Muslims will find Him through Mohammed. The Buddhists will find Him through Buddha. It won't happen. There's only one way. His name is Jesus. If you know He's the Christ, the Son of the living God, God put that in you. That's your invitation. 
Open it up and respond tonight. Pray this simple prayer out loud so your own ears hear what your voice says. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, right now, right now, publicly and openly, publicly and openly, I confess Jesus, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. You visited me. You visited me and gave me and gave me revelation. Revelation. Tonight, tonight, I am acting upon it. I'm acting. I believe it in my heart. I believe it in my heart. I confess heart. it with I my confess mouth. Confess it with my mouth. I enter in. I enter in through the new birth. Through the new birth to the family of God. To the family of God. I am. I am born again. Born again. Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. Is my Lord. Heaven. Heaven is my home. is my home. Thank God. Thank, thank God, God. Thank God. If you prayed that prayer, we love you. Come and see us here at Island Church. We'll have a new schedule of activities, how we're going to be having church. We'll have it here tomorrow evening. Don't forget tomorrow night, we have a short 30-minute where I come and pray the Word over the church. Now, we may not do this. maybe may be the last time we do it tomorrow night, but we're going to do it tomorrow night so we can also bring you information about how we're going to open Sunday morning and do it the right way so everybody will feel protected and blessed in Jesus' name. Don't forget, we invite everybody to come to prayer on Saturday night. Let's have a prayer meeting and see the building shake as we prepare for that which God desires to do. We love you. Father, bless each and every one listening. Thank you. No evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling dwelling place. Thank you, Father, for your grace over Island Church in our travels, the righteous labor of our hands. Lord, publicly, we ask you for wisdom on how to do this restart in the church. How many meetings, when and where, how to do children's ministry, youth ministry. Lord, we need a whole new plan, a whole new way. We trust you for it. For we know that when we ask you, you're a good God, you answer. You give us what we need. Thank you, Father, for the open door of utterance getting wider and wider, bigger and bigger. Thank you, Lord, as we have blazed this path of media ministry. Thank you, Lord. We're not going to quit this. We're going to enhance it and see it on an even greater level, reaching even more people. Thank you, Father, that you keep us, you bless us, and you protect us. We love you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for our church, for the ecclesia of Island Church. We declare, Jesus, you are the pastor. You're the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. You're the great shepherd of Island Church. As we leave tonight, we leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.